right, uh, Infinity War, there, there has been 31 Marvel movies leading up to this last movie. 31, and they're all really kind of referring to, the first ones were referring to one Infinity Stone and others as they went along. But in order to understand that, you probably got to go understand this movie. You probably got to go back and see a few movies to understand the last one. That's what everybody was upset on this movie. Their critics were because of, uh, uh, you couldn't just jump into it. But here we have our heroes coming together to fight Thanos. And he literally is the most powerful person in the universe. And all of our superheroes, if you will, are coming to fight him, and it looks like they're defeated. I mean, at the end of the movie, I can't tell you how upset I was because a lot of the good guys die. Hopefully you've already seen the movie, right? <laughs> a lot of the good people die. I, I, I literally walked out of there saying, I'm never going to see another one. Well, then people kept telling me, Fleener, just hang on. It's not the end, and it is not. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, the point is, it seems like a long chess game, and it seems like Thanos is literally put our king in checkmate, all right? And, but again, it's not over. And I want to make the application that we have a Thanos, if you will, as well, that we are all fighting against, and he is called the devil, and the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, that he is the God of this world. Look at this verse. It says, Satan, who is the what? The God of this world. So Thanos is this all-powerful being, and it's a fiction character, but the whole world is just crazy, and he's controlling everything. And now we have, scripturally speaking, we have the God of this world, but not just the God of this world. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, verses 1 through 3, it specifically tells us the unbelieving people. Now listen, lost people, people that have never trusted Christ yet, they're all the God of this world. He's actually leading them. That's crazy, isn't it? The whole world that's not saved, that don't know Christ or Savior, they're literally following their leader, the God of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, talks about that. Okay, so, so we literally have a person that seems to be in charge. And as we look at our nation and we look around us, it seems like checkmate. Doesn't it sometimes feel that way? We look around the wickedness that's going on, and, and it looks like he's, he's literally moved people and moved pe people into place that literally seem Christian values are going down. Can I hear an amen? That's what it looks like. And we have to gather us together to fight Thanos. We are the heroes. Do you like that? How many like that? Come on, come on. We are the heroes in the story. We are the children of the living God. And we're the ones that he can't destroy. That's what I love about this. And so, so he's leading the whole world, and many have fallen prey to the devil. We look in the Old Testament, there's prophet after prophet after prophet that the religious people killed, the Jewish people, and, and many others have killed the children of God, the prophets of God. We come to the New Testament, we find that, that Stephen... 
and the apostles were all martyrs. They were killed as well. Okay, John was one of the only apostles that, that wasn't destroyed, wasn't killed. But every one of those, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. As soon as we, as soon as we die in this life, we're the children of God. We're going to go straight to glory. But here's the problem. The Bible says as we continue in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, it talks about, listen, he's blinded the minds of them that believe not. That's the tragedy. The whole world's following him, the devil, even to this day, because he's blinded their minds and they're literally following him. They're, he's leading them astray because he's blinded their minds minds. And that's the tragic. It's our responsibility to take the gospel. We'll talk about that in a few moments to those who are blinded. But the Bible also tells us that Satan has a plan for us as believers. He has a plan for us, and that is to destroy us. Jesus says, I'm coming that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly, but Satan comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. So from all practical purposes, it looks like Satan is winning. That Satan has won. But listen very carefully. The game, if you will, life is not over. Let me just break it to you. There's, there's another Marvel movie coming out. Thanos doesn't win. And as we look at Scripture, as we end this message this morning, guess what? The devil doesn't win. Three points I want to give you this morning. Three, three points. Number one. Talking about the devil, okay? Thanos, if you will, our Thanos. We're going to talk about his domination, his deception, and his doom. Domination, deception, and his doom. Number one, domination. Let's talk about that for a few moments, okay? Satan is a cruel, crafty foe. He is a master of falsehood. Satan, listen very carefully, he can change himself, the Bible says, to the angel of light, Satan, the devil, can change himself into the messenger of God. And the only way to know the difference when you see him is to hear what comes out of his mouth and measure that to the word of God. So we have to know the word of God. He changed himself into a messenger of God. His followers can transform themselves into the preachers of righteousness. I mean... He's preaching all across America and the world today, and people think that that is a preacher of righteousness. The only way you can tell that it's not is from what comes out of their mouth, and you measure it with the book. So he is a master deception, and he's leading a lot of people straight, even in the church. But the great thing about it is this. We have a weapon called the gospel, and the Bible says the gospel is the power of God Unto salvation. That word power means explosives. So we have in our grasp the truth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's the gospel. 1 through 3. That's the gospel. We have that in our grasp. And as we light it and we give it out, it explodes. And the Bible says it's the power of God. This is what Jesus said. He said, if I draw... If I lift up Jesus, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, he'll do what? He'll draw all men to himself. So see, 
He seems to be powerful, but we have a weapon. We have the gospel. We have the truth. He sits in the seat of the churches, Revelation chapter 2, verse 13. He sits in the seat of the church, and he's governing a lot of the churches. He's leading a lot of the churches. And this is what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 2. It also says that he's on the outside of the church door, like a lot of your teams in football right now. They're on the outside looking in. My team, too. Amen, KC. I, I know where I'm at. All right. Tom, Tom Brady? Oh, come on. Yeah, there's a lot of Brady fans out here, too. You're, not, you're at home, all right? Okay, so the devil got involved just for a moment. Let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So he's, he's dominating, okay? But we have the gospel. It's the power of God. He sits in the seats of the churches or sits and governs the, the churches and works out of the churches. But the Bible says this about the true church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell can't stop. Even though it looks like Thanos is winning. Looks like the devil is winning. Guess what? He's not. You can't stop us. We are the church. We are the heroes. We have the truth. We have the gospel. He can't stop us. Yes, he has power. He does signs and he does many wonders. I mean, he's, the Bible tells us in Thessalonians that he's doing all kinds of miracles and the world's following him and his doctrine and his teaching. Let's go back to the Old Testament. The God of the world then was Pharaoh. Moses says, let my people go. He said, no. God said, cast your rod down. He cast it down. It turned into a serpent. Guess what? Pharaoh said, hey, sorcerers, come here. Do this. They threw their rod down. And the same miraculous miracle. But guess what? (laughs) Moses' serpent, God's serpent, devoured Everybody say it with me. Say it with some emphasis. Devoured. Okay? That was lame. <laughs> One more time. Because it helps me when I know that you're into this. Amen? Ready? Devoured again. Say it with some confidence, all right? Because he's not going to get the victory over us. Did you hear that song? Fear is a liar. And Satan is the god of liars. Okay? So here we go. Devoured. Ready? Sweet. <laughs> Amen. All right. So Moses' serpent, our, 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 his rod devoured, swallowed them up. That's how we know God's power compared to Satan's power. So he leads them astray. But here's the, here's the great thing. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess of things in heaven of things on earth and things in hell. Everybody, they're coming a time when everyone bow, will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, he looks dominating and it seems like he's getting his victory, especially on both, both the ends of, of our, our, our nation. Amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? Don't let me up here by myself. Both ends, amen. all right, of our country. Man, they're just going, I mean, it seems like Satan is really dominating some of that fact. So, so listen very carefully. He's got a lot of tactics to defeat you and I, the church. He accuses, he condemns, 
He devours, he imprisons, he ensnares, he takes advantage. And he steals the word of God out of our hearts. But the Bible tells us greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is attacking me. And the Bible says that with his word, the truth will set us free. So when he condemns us, he accuses us, and he attacks us, we take the truth and we can be set free from his accusations, his lies, and all of his tactics. It's in this book. We have what gives us victory. So he's dominating, but not sovereign. Number two, his deception. If you were to ask me what is his number one trick, Satan's number one trick, I would probably say to convince the world he doesn't exist. To convince the world that he's this little red man with a zip-up suit with a little bitty horns and he's running around with a pitchfork. He's got this whopping tail. I believe that because... You, have you watched some of these demon-possessed shows? Now, you, you go to the Old Testament. You can hardly see any, any demon possession in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's crazy. And today, it's wild how much it's displayed. A lot of these movies, this stuff is, this stuff is real. They're taking it from the New Testament, this demon possession, these shows that are going on. I mean... Why? Because Satan is cast down, and this is his battlefield right here. You and I are in the midst of Satan's battlefield. And he's been working hard in Springfield, of course, all over the country, but he's been working hard. So he's trying to trick people in that he's not real. There's no spiritual battle. But the Bible tells us that he's the prince of darkness and that God is the God of light. He's the father of lies, but God is the God of truth. Jesus is the God of life. Satan is the God of death. And there is a raging battle taking place. Though we do not fight with weapons of our own warfare, we have to fight our spiritual battles. Lucifer is his name. Uh, He's uh, one of three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was an angel of worship, full of wisdom, Perfect in beauty. The problem was, he was into himself. He wanted to be worshipped like God. But God does not share his glory with another. So he cast him down. And a third of his angels, which now are considered demons, which you and I wrestle with on a daily basis. And what he hates the most is you and me. Because we were made in the likeness of God. So he detests us. He hates us. Listen to C.S. Lewis and what he said. He said this. There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God. And counterclaimed by the devil. Warren Wiersbe said this. A great, great author said this and speaker. He said, Satan is a deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. That's his major trick, to convince you of his lies. Satan is an accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. 
He is a destroyer who attacks your will with pride. It's not a matter if I'm under attack. It's the fact that you are under attack right now. Now listen very carefully. As we think back to Adam and Eve, you think back to that scenario, which we're all familiar with. How did, how did the devil convince Eve to take that forbidden fruit? How did he do that? I mean, how could he possibly convince her? Well, notice what he attacked first. His, he completely directed his attack at God's word. Now, understand this. He attacked this book and God, what God had said to Adam and what he was supposed to do. Now, he could have attacked Eve in all kinds of areas. Number one comes to mind, her insecurity. Is there any woman like that here today? No, don't hold your hand up. Is there anybody, any one of us that have some insecurities? If we were honest and open, every hand would fly. Can I hear an amen? He could have whispered in her ear. doesn't love you any longer. <laughs> he could have, right? He could have played on her emotions. Listen, Adam is tired of listening to your feelings. <laughs> He's tired of talking about your feelings. Should we talk about that? For, should I camp right here for a moment? No, I won't. All right. Adam spends way too much time in his cave. That'll get you in a minute. I heard one preacher say he wants his rib back. I like that. <laughs> he could attack her in jealousy, her fear. Instead, he attacked the word of God. Now, this is what I want you to grab a hold of, okay? When we think about his deception, the deceiver questioned God's word. The devil questioned God's word. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, okay? The devil was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God, now listen, did God really say you must not eat of the free from any of the trees in the garden? Okay, so, so just comes and, and just ask her this question. Notice he didn't deny that God had spoken. He just questioned it. That's what he does to us. Is this really, this, this Bible, is it God's word? I mean, does God really exist? And here's a good one. We read a portion of scripture. Does God really mean that? He, he questions. Uh, 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 you mean I'm supposed to tithe? That's a big one, isn't it? Amen? I, I, I'm supposed to what? Love my wife more than anything else? Uh, Wives are supposed to be subject to their husbands? See, when people understand the Scripture, and they understand Scripture interprets Scripture, then they have no problem with it. But Satan, he, he, he questions the book and causes us not to want to obey the Word of God. Then notice what Eve said when she talked back to Satan. Well, actually, I want to go to Ephesians, or Genesis 2, 16 and 17 first. Look what God said to, to Adam. The Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden. Now, now follow, follow this. This is, this is where we live. We're going we're to draw a conclusion. 
Everybody focused? Okay, now watch. Okay, so, so he said freely, accept the tree of the, uh, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat, you're, you're going to die. Okay? Now listen to Eve when she's talking to Satan in 3-2. Listen to this. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. You see anything missing there? The word freely, when she quotes back to the devil, is not there. In other words, freely expresses, to me, it expresses the goodness of God. So she's starting to lean a little bit to what Satan is saying, the devil's saying, and she's beginning to question. Now listen, she's beginning to question the goodness of God. She's beginning to question, hey, maybe I'm, uh, the reason I'm not, have, not allowed to have the fruit is because God's holding something back. Because Satan did say, uh, uh, God knows that when you eat of that tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so, so, so she began questioning the goodness of God. Let me draw a conclusion here. When you begin to question the goodness of God in your life. You're wondering if he's really working everything out for my best interest. If what's going on, you begin to question whether God truly is working everything out for my glory to raise me up to be more like him. When you begin to question his goodness, you question his word, you begin, listen, Satan, the devil, begins to rob you of your zeal for God. Do you no longer have that passion you had once before? Because the trials and the tribulation you go through, they just, oh, I'm not sure if God has my best interest in mind. I'm not sure that, that, that this, is, this is right. Well, that does. It robs you of your passion. It robs you of your drive. It robs you from saying, Lord, I know you got my best interest. You got my back. Here, I, just take my life. Well, the reason we don't do that is because we question whether he does have our back. Can you hear an amen? Oh, me. So when we, Satan begins to con, convince us, this is powerful, when he begins to convince us that God isn't working th- everything out, we begin to lose that drive. We begin to lose that zeal. The second thing Satan does is he twists, he twists God's word. Okay? He causes us to question, but then he, he twists. He said, you will not surely die. (laughs) Okay? In other words, God really didn't say this. That's not what he meant. How many times have I been witness to somebody and I say, I'll get a verse out and I'll read it. And they say, that's not what it says. I said, okay, so what does it say? Read it. They'll read it. That's not. They just, they question the book. And that's what happened to Eve, and that's what happens to us many of times. We're under attack, and he causes us to question. Then he twists the word where it's not actually applying the truth. That's why it's so important to read a scripture, read the text, and then read other scripture. Scripture interprets scripture. It's vital. No verse should stand alone. But the point is this. We are under attack. Your family, your marriage, your finances, 
your world is under attack. Now, guys, what would you do if somebody broke into your home and was planning to physically hurt your family? Well, you may come out with something like this. Can I hear an amen? Seriously. I mean, how many of us men would just sit there and say, hmm, oh, twiddly-dee, twiddly-dum. No, you'd come out with this and you'd have bob wire wrapped around there. You'd turn into the hawk, right? The devil's not going to come in my home. No, 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 no. The devil's not going to take what I value most in the world. I'm the hawk. I'm Rambo. I mean, I... I'm going to be transformed into Bruce Lee. Amen? Come on. Looky here, amen? No, no, Satan. You're not coming here, baby. No devil. You're not going to rob me of my family. You're not going to rob me of my... You're not going to hurt my grandkids. You're not going to hurt my children. You're not going to touch my wife. I'm Tim Fleener. I'm a child of the living God, and I have my vengeance in this life or the next. All you guys know where that came from. Amen? The best movie in the world. Can I hear it? Gladiator! You can call me Maximus if you want to. The merciful! No, there won't be no mercy. Satan comes in my house. There won't be mercy. Okay? Amen. Amen. All right, let's put that down. Let's get back to Scripture. Okay, but... Everybody sees the point, right? I mean, all of us, even you women will rise up to protect your kids. We will. But what about spiritually? When Satan comes in and he's, he's going to do everything his power to lead your children astray. That's when you're doing battle on your knees. You've got to be able to recognize the first. Then you're on your knees. My kids always laugh at me because when, when God begins to work on my family, I'm up pacing I love our house because I can pace like this in, in a semicircle. And I'm pacing. But I'm not just pacing. I'm doing battle. I'm crying out to the Father on behalf of my children, on behalf of my grand. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll go out there and my son says, Son, Dad, Dad just quit worrying. This isn't worry. This is battle. This is serious stuff, and I'm not going to let the devil sneak in and rob my kids, rob my grandkids, and do something to my wife. It ain't going to happen. And that's what we need to come to grips with. We need to understand the weapons that God has made available to us. Understand it, know how to use it, and not let him rob what's most valuable, what's most important to us. So, we have Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that we have a lot of defensive weapons. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the shield of faith. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And then we have one offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. And that's what God wants us to use to do spiritual battle. The Bible, and, and you hear me talk about love all the time, and I really believe love is vital. When we, when we demonstrate love to each other, 
and we demonstrate love to the lost. You hear me talk about it all the time. We need to have the spirit of love. But the Bible isn't a book about niceness and just gentleness. It's a book of warfare. Okay? I mean, seriously. You, like this, you know, in, in the Bible, you, you see in Jesus' day, they had, or in David's day, he picked up Goliath's sword, and with two hands, he sliced off Goliath's head. David did, but it took two hands. Then you have the dagger. So, so the soldiers had the big one, and they had the small one. So this one's, this one's the hand-to-hand combat. You guys freaked out yet? <laughs> okay. Put those down. Some of you are going, <laughs> I'm not going to throw it, I promise. Yeah, don't cut myself. Amen. And those are the bad. So, so we have to use the Bible as it's supposed to be. And when Satan, when Jesus first started his ministry, the devil came at him. Jesus didn't roll up his sleeves. He pulled out the scripture. Three times he pulled out the Bible. If we're going to battle the devil... Thanos, our Thanos. If we're going to battle him, we must use the Word of God. Because his weapons are his weapons aren't what we're used to. The devil's not going to charge in our house and do us harm. He's going to do things to get us to lose our fire for God. To lose our zeal and passion for souls. To stop loving our spouse. To not be there to raise our kids. To go do something else instead of having them under the sound of godly preaching and godly teaching. That's what Satan is going to do. Let me give you six ways that he comes at us. And I want to give you six specific scriptures that you can go to to defend to attack him, not to defend, to attack his lies. Jesus, three times, he pulls out the word, boom, boom, boom. And guess what Satan did? He tucked his tail between his legs and he ran. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says will happen. Okay, number one, when you are discouraged. Now, I bring this up because it is. Should I start doing some dancing? Okay. Okay, this is his number one weapon. I mean, to discourage us with circumstances that don't happen the way we think should happen. Or our spouse doesn't appreciate us the way we think. Or our kids are not responding to the way they should respond. Or my boss isn't responding to me. I mean, he, he, he just whispers in it and we get discouraged. What do you do? Psalms 43, 5 says, David said, Oh, my soul... Why are you cast down? Why? Psalms 43, verse 5. Why are you cast down? It's because you got your hope in yourself. You got your hope in your circumstances. You got your hope in other people. He said, I will put my trust, my hope, my confidence is in Him. See, when we get discouraged, our confidence is not in Him. It's in everything. Because if we truly believe that He had the, our best interest and He's got our back, then the circumstances, people, what they say, will realize that those are instruments to help grow us, to help us be more like Him. See, Thanos can't take us down. 
Everything that the devil can do to us has to go first through the fingers of our sovereign God. Is that good or what? It's fantastic. And when I say that, you should say, amen, hallelujah, woo, baby. Let me say it again. Everything that happens in your life, no matter what it is, filters first through the hands of our sovereign God. Everything. (laughs) See, that's that's good. That gets me excited. All right, discouragement. Number two, when our family is under attack, and it happens all the time, Isaiah 40, or 54, Isaiah 54, 17, specifically states, there is no weapon formed against us that will prosper. Okay, when Satan comes at us and our family, and that's why I think of, I think of Gladiator. You know, I think of his wife and son and him at their feet sobbing. You think it's over. But remember what he said? In this life or the next, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. There's all kinds of bad things that happen to us. But God, he's got our back. This is what it says. No weapon formed against us will prosper. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is not the end game. This is just the beginning. It's the place where we begin a relationship with God, but then we're going, to have, we're going to be with him for all eternity. And we're going to be sitting at his feet. He's going to be teaching us. He's going to be just pouring into us as we sit at the new Jerusalem for eternity. Number three, I don't know if I can go on another day. I'm weary. I'm emotionally shot with all the things that go on around me. The Bible says you pick out the sword and you go after these lies that Satan throws at you. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. If you faint not. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. These are the tools. This is the sword that you pull out when he attacks, when the diagnosis isn't good. Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says, with man, it's not impossible, but with God, all things are possible. When I go to the hospital room and somebody's got a bad you know, sickness or they got cancer or they got something really, really bad, I'm begging God for a miracle. I'm begging God, quoting the scripture. I'm quoting scripture that by his stripes we were healed. And I'm begging God on their behalf. I have preachers, several times I go in these hospital rooms with these preachers and they're saying, oh God, if this is your will, oh God, give them strength. This is a warfare. And we're in, war, we're in battle. If God chooses to take them on, that's, that's his. But I'm going to storm the gates of heaven on their behalf. God, change your mind. Use them to bring other people to the kingdom. Not that I don't want them to go home to the Lord. I want God to use them in the hospital to bring other nurses, doctors, people, patients, everybody to the Lord Jesus Christ. His diagnosis. I'm not sure what to do, number five. I just don't know. Proverbs 3, 5. We quote this all the time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall, here's the promise, he will direct your path. You don't know which direction? It's okay. He does. Trust him, not with partial heart, with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. After what I did, number six, after what I did, I can't go to church and work in the, with the teens or with the kids after what I've done. Satan always throws this at us. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, write that down. This is fantastic. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. I mean, these are swords that we pull out during those times. But listen, Psalms 19 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart. We use the word against these lies. But if you don't have these words in your heart, you can't pull it out of the mouth. I mean, Jesus was in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. He just quoted the book because it was in his heart. If we're going to come and bring the sword right here, if we're going to bring this sword after Satan and his lies and chop up those lies, just destroy those lies. And this is the book. We've got to have it with us. You can't pull out and say, look, hey, let's look at the index here. Is there some kind of scripture? Oh, no, this is my favorite. Let's call pastor. <laughs> let's call pastor. See if he's got a verse for this. And it's okay to do that. I'm not saying that that's not that's Okay. Okay. But the best thing is have it hid in your heart. So when he comes at you and says it, because I'm telling you, you sin every day. The Bible says the foolishness, the thought of foolishness is sin. It's, it's what's what we do that's not of faith is sin. We sin all the time. And then Satan brings that to us and he condemns us and he bashes us. So then we pull out. There's no condemnation. Then when our relationships in trouble, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. And here's one ones I like most. Love endureth all things. Another one of my favorite, love hopeth all things. Believes God's going to turn this around in this life or the next. Number three, and this is probably my favorite point, his doom. Amen. We're going to look down the road and we're going to see that he's not going to get the victory. He's not the champion in the end. So follow me close in Revelation. We're going to begin in verse 10. 20, Revelation 20, verse 10. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, or the, the lake of fire, okay? So Satan is cast here. This is, the, this is the great white throne judgment. He's cast into the lake of fire. Well, before this, if you go back to, to uh, Revelation 19, before the millennial reign of Christ, a thousand years on the earth, God gets three demons, three evil beings, 
the devil, the false prophet, and the beast. And the last part of chapter 19, verse 19 and down, it says that God cast Satan or the devil into the bottomless pit, and then he cast the prophet and the beast in there as well before the thousand-year reign. And then the thousand-year reign takes place, and then we come back, Satan, at the beginning of Revelation 20, Satan is released out of the bottomless pit after that thousand years, and he's going around the world deceiving, you know, condemning, and doing all this stuff, okay? And then it says this, that Satan is cast into the bottomless pit. Then look at verse Verse 10 again. Joining the beast and the false prophet. Oh, wait a minute. The beast and the false prophet are still in the lake of fire? After a thousand years plus? Exactly. So the lake of fire, hell, is not something the person dies and then it's over. No longer exists. Which there's a lot of preachers and teachers that are teaching that garbage. Can I hear an amen? That there's no hell. It's just you close your eyes and you no longer exist. Eternal life is you have eternal life, but there's no eternal death. But the scripture teaches just the opposite. Okay, so now follow. He's joining in the lake of fire the beast and the false prophet. And then look what it says. There they, see they're still alert. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Again, not me teaching my doctrine. It's scripture. There have been a thousand years. The false prophet and the beast are there. The devil is thrown into the bottomless pit to join them after they've been there a thousand years plus to suffer with them for all eternity. My point is, our Thanos here is defeated. That's great stuff. That's the end game. It seems like He's getting victory right now with all the stuff that's going on. But you got to remember this one thing. The world is blinded and they're following his teaching and his doctrine blindfolded. They're doing his bid. We're the ones that are set free. We're the ones that can see. And our job is to go after them and help them so that they can be free and so they can see what's going on. The problem is all those people following, this is their doom as well. Listen to what it says. Verse 15. See, Matthew 25 says that hell was created for the devil and his demons. That's what the Bible says. That's why God, heaven, God created hell. But then, because people reject Jesus Christ, look at this. Verse 15. And everyone whose names are not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So, not only is it the doom for the devil... But people that we aren't reaching for Christ, they're doomed as well. Now, this, this, is, this is his scheme. He knows his end, and he doesn't want to be the only one, so he's going after all these people that are blinded to keep them blinded so they can't see. But not only does he keep them blinded, listen very carefully, he keeps us discouraged. He robs us of our zeal, robs us of our, of our passion, robs us of our desire to, to reach our neighbor and just explain the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God, not you. The gospel is the power of God that explodes and people's eyes are open to the truth. But we are, for some reason, God chose you and me to be the mouthpiece to share that truth. 
But Satan is so busy, major busy, keeping us quiet when people's eternity is weighed in the balance on our words. But he's convinced us, like politics, you can't talk about it. And he's right. Who cares about religion? Amen. I just want to talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Christ. Now, now that you're going to cram this down their throat, you're just going, hey, let me just tell you my story. Here it is. Boom. It was simple. Boom. And then walk away. You don't have to be mean or nasty. Just a couple of words. Plant the seed. Be patient. Water the seed. And I promise you, his word will never return void. Never. But we got to get it out there. So here, here's, here's the thought this morning. We have Thanos. We have the devil. Thanos seems to be getting the victory, but we, we know the end. Satan seems to be getting the victory. The devil seems to be, but we know the end as well. So let's pick up the sword. And let's defeat him now. Other people's lives, eternal destiny. Listen, this is not... This is reality. Their eternal destiny is weighing on your passion, your excitement. Your family is riding on that. Satan, he's still kill and destroy. He's going to destroy your family if you let him. There's a raging battle going on. Let's pick up the sword. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We're just so grateful thankful for your word it is quick and sharper it's alive and active in our lives father i pray this morning that we would leave with a brand new determination that we would be your mouthpiece that we would be your hands that we would be your feet demonstrate your love speaking your words but in order to do that Father we've got to lay down the discouragements we've got to lay down the accusations what we think other people are going to think about us Father we need your help I pray Father oh God I pray this morning all of us believers would take this few moments to come to you. Stop questioning your word and begin standing on it. Help us as we leave this morning to be strong in the power of your might standing on your word. We'll give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name.